Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. Our talk show is also part of our Caregiving Podcast Network. In the days leading up to our National Caregiving Conference, we are introducing you to presenters so you can get a taste of what you can expect if you can join us in Chicago or virtually for our fourth annual National Caregiving Conference. The conference takes place in Chicago, November 7th through 10th, and virtually November 8th and 9th. If you join us virtually, there is no charge, so you can watch us from the comfort of your home or office, house of worship, or community. You can register for the conference on caregiving.com. You can also check out our agenda. You can check out all the presenters. Every presenter has a page with a little update and overview of their presentations. So we've got all the information for you so you feel well-informed when you join us in Chicago or virtually. And I'm thrilled that we have two presenters joining us this morning to talk about what they're going to share to attendees at this year's conference. So joining me this morning is Mark Survey and Margaret Fitzpatrick. I almost called you Fitzgerald. I'm so sorry, Margaret. Margaret Fitzpatrick. So good morning, Mark and Margaret. How are you guys? Good morning. Morning. Good. Very good. One of one of the goals of the conference is to bring together family caregivers in different types of situations. And what's great about having you guys on together is that you bring perspectives from different caregiving situations. So, for instance, Mark, you care for your son. And, Margaret, you've had a variety of caregiving experiences, parents and siblings, as well as professional experiences because you are a healthcare professional. Mm-hmm. Mark, I'm curious, what made you decide to submit a proposal to present at this year's conference? For me, it was uh, one of these things where, you know, with with my son, Lucas, um, you know, we've been kind of going on this journey. And it's a different kind of journey than than taking care of an aging parent, right? Because it kind of goes from childhood rearing, and it takes a different role in the middle. One of the things professionally I was doing was was giving talks, um, you know, around the the platform that I typically work with, um, you know, in, in professional life. And I was, uh, I've been a, uh, fortunately awarded um, what's called a uh, MVP award from, from Sitecore for five years running. And it does require a bit of work and, and, and some planning and, and communication evangelism. One of the things I wanted to do was kind of step away from that a little bit. And, um, I, you know, it's, I don't want to call it two parallel lives of, of caregiving and then, and then career, family, and everything else, right? But I wanted to kind of share a little bit of what we were doing um, with Lucas because uh, you know, in, in brief conversations, it was, you know, you know, that's kind of cool what you guys are doing. Um, how do you do this? There's, there's a lot of those type of conversations and um, I've always had difficulty finding places to share. So one of the things I wanted to do is, is do some presentations on what we were doing and, and I wanted to do um, a documentary um, on some different things that didn't quite pan out in my year off, but um, so when I saw, it was just kind of uh, thumbing through places I could give this talk, and I, I ran across the website. I'm like, well, this, this would be perfect. Um, and, and that led to the submission and, and uh, thankfully the acceptance to, to allow me to talk at the conference. So um, that's, and it's, yeah. 
it does seem like everything aligned because you're in Milwaukee, which is an easy drive right. to Chicago, yep. which is always just nice when it feels like it's easy to do. We've been promoting on Twitter the conference, and a couple Fridays ago we did a, like a Twitter storm about the conference, and you posted a teaser of the video that you're going to show during your presentation, and it was really cool. So tell us a Excellent. little bit about why that video is important and why you want to show it during your presentation. Well, so I've, I've given a, a, a synopsis of this presentation earlier, and I, uh, I felt like a prop comic, like I was Carrot Top or something, because I had all these devices on this big table, and um, it was a lot more stressful to do that, um, to be able to kind of show people what devices, how they interact, what they can do, and, and so forth. Well, we don't really have that luxury of, of taking, you know, um, uh, suitcases of full and full of stuff. So the video kind of made sense. And I've always been an audiophile, and, and, and I like to play with video a little bit. Um, and Lucas was willing. So we came up with this idea of kind of doing not so much this caregiving day for us, but more of how we use tech kind of throughout the day and, and some of the more common things that we do. It wasn't kind of an everything that we do, but it was a good idea to hopefully help people that, that come to the session, come to the conference, um, to facilitate the discussions around what, what's possible uh, come up with new ideas and be able to kind of think, well, this is the care I'm providing. You know, how can I take these tools and, and kind of help? And, and I, I mentioned it in, in my uh, conversation to shave time. So the video just really kind of was a natural way um, to be able to, to allow people to kind of see and I guess uh, mentally feel the, the experience of that. Um, and so the teaser just kind of came out as part of that promo um, you know, there, there's a lot of little cool tidbits in there, and I just wanted to kind of throw something together to kind of get people a little excited. Yeah, I love that. So not only do we get introduced to Lucas, but we see how what you've created through technology makes the day easier and his ability to feel more independent around the day, which also allows you to feel more independent about your day too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Margaret, what's interesting about one of the sessions that you're doing is you're also bringing in the experience to your workshop. And the experience that you're helping us with is to make sure that we actually complete our durable power of attorney. Tell us why that's important for you. Well, yeah, the reason why I decided to actually have people create their healthcare power of attorney while we're in the session is because I think one thing that caregivers have in common is they forget to put themselves first. And this is something um, that people put off to the side too often, and especially if you're busy working and taking care of another person and trying to live your life, it's easy not to take care of these details. So I wanted people to get this detailed crossed off their list, but also because I wanted to let people know where maybe their loved one has been in their journey, you know, that it's not as easy. Once you sit down to do it, you start thinking of a lot of things, and it can bring up a lot of emotions, and it's, it's helpful sometimes to put ourselves in the shoes of, our, of the people that we care for. 
Exactly. And I think the conversation about our wishes oftentimes is inspired by our experiences with our carries. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. seen what our carries have experienced, which may enlighten what we want in terms of our own end-of-life and caregiving needs. So I'm curious, Margaret, how has your personal caregiving experience impacted your view when you are a caree and when you're at end-of-life? Well, it's interesting because my mother um, actually lived to be 99 years old, and we were very lucky because she was a very healthy person, but starting from when she was in her 80s and started having friends who were going in and out of the hospital or having, you know, tens of doctor's appointments every month, and she knew that she didn't want to do that. She knew that she wanted to limit her interactions with what I call the healthcare industrial complex. And so that really shaped for me um, a lot of what I wrote in my book, Getting the Best Care, because it's all about having your goals set. And I really saw that with my mother. She was very clear of what she wanted, and being clear about that and talking about it with me helped me to be her advocate when she couldn't advocate for herself. So it it really taught me the importance of being clear and having those goals and communicating those goals with the people who are going to be caring for you. Absolutely. And you can't have the conversation soon enough and often enough. I think that situations and circumstances change, which could change our viewpoints. Yeah, it's always too soon until it's too late, right? That's how people feel. But it does have to be an ongoing, ongoing discussion. And then with each new diagnosis that may come up, another discussion, you know, that I think the discussion, and I, I will definitely point this out in the session, the most important part of it is the conversation. The piece of paper of a healthcare power of attorney is the least important component. But the conversation that that can help bring up that's the most important thing absolutely absolutely margaret you're the youngest of 16 children yes yes well a little bit of a big family (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's why i think of you as having a caregiving experience that spans years and relationships Mm mm-hmm What do you know now about caregiving that perhaps you didn't know maybe 20 years ago? Well, one thing that I I tend to bristle at now after having gone through it, especially with my mother, is when people talk about the parent becoming the child and the child becoming the parent, because I think that can really set you up to having some difficulties in your relationship One thing that I learned through the four years that my mother lived with us was it's important to respect that um, her place in society and that relationship that you've had, you know, since you were born. And it it definitely changes in terms of she was looking towards me more for help and advice, which she was always the person everybody went to. So that aspect changed. But the – her being a you know a 
revered part of the family and being the um, really the linchpin of the family, that, that needed to be honored and respected as opposed to me treating her as a dependent or as a child. Yes, I am nodding aggressively. <laughs> that term, <laughs> parent, your parent, mm-hmm. I, I have oh. been battling that one for, oh, my heavens, 25 years. I, I still am just shocked when anybody uses that term because I, I, I thought we would have evolved from that yeah. because it's not parenting your parent. It's not. No, it's not at all. Yeah. Caring is not necessarily parenting. You know, it's a it's a different thing. And, and Mark's experience of caregiving is totally different, as he said, than than someone who's caring for a parent in her 90s. You know, it's just a whole different dynamic. It, it very much yeah, so I, is. And oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, I was just going to add, you know, it, it, you're you're absolutely dead on about caring, not being parenting. Um, in my role, you know, it's a dual role for me. It's been a dual role for a long time. And it's, you have to separate the two to some extent um, to be able to, to kind of get, I guess, the job done that you need to get done. Um, you know, sometimes the, the event is, is short and sweet in the role, and you move on to the other role. But um, they're definitely two different things by, by no stretch of the imagination. So how do you separate them, Mark, and how do you know when the time is to separate them? Mindfulness. And I'm not always perfect at it. I don't know anybody who truly is. But sometimes it's pretty evident, and you're like, okay, I got I to gotta do this now. Sometimes the, that boundary isn't so clear. Um, and, and sometimes it really goes back and forth, much like a, a ping pong game. So you really got to pay attention not only to um, – any kind of verbal cue, any, any kind of, of visual cue, but you really got to think about the context of the situation you're in. Um, you know, there are times where I have to um, kind of judge if, if Lucas is, is kind of uh, um, complaining about something. Is this really kind of an immaturity thing? Is this really, hey, you know, this is legit concern that, that you need to pay attention to. This may be a bigger problem. And, and so kind of hearing him and, and understanding his cues um, and tying into that is, is really key to be able to shift those roles back and forth. One of the panel discussions that we're going to have, actually I'm moderating it, is called We're Amazing, But Please Don't Call Us Saints. And, Margaret, <laughs> your, your word that you use, bristle, you know, mm-hmm. bristling at that term, parenting your parents, sometimes we bristle at people that say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe what you do. You must be a saint. How can you do yeah. So I'm curious, Mark, what term or word makes you bristle? Ooh, uh, God, a lot rolls off my my back. Um, So I really don't take it sincerely. But I think think some of the the, um, terms, especially when Lucas was a little bit younger, um, was more around some of the experiences we had with, with some of the state agencies and, and even uh, his Make-A-Wish trip, um, just around just disability, uh, handicap, just, just some of the terminology. And, and um, I guess it's common use and abstraction 
um, of how people kind of interpret what's going on. I think that's probably the only thing, and I got over that really quick. It's kind of like, yeah, people are people. If you're not living this, you, you don't completely understand. You can evangelize and educate to a certain extent. And the unfortunate thing is typically, uh, well, fortunate or unfortunate, I guess, depending on how you look at it. For me, this experience has been pretty fortunate. I think I would have been a completely different person um, not living this. So we all have to take care of somebody at some point. Right. It, it, it's pretty common that uh, we're all going to be caregivers to some degree at some point. And I think the, you know, kind of being able to, to just having an understanding that people may not have experienced what you have and, and kind of just putting that into into that perspective makes all the world a difference. So um, <laughs> as a caregiver, it's really kind of hard to have anything kind of weird me out. <laughs> I think I've, I felt like I've been through the ringer a little bit and seen everything. And our family is is more um, probably more like the Osbournes than we are the Cleavers, right? So it's it's one of those things where we're pretty open. The communication's wide open, and the reality of it is just there in front of us, and we just kind of hit it head on. So um, there's not much there that really that really kind of twerks us a little bit. I think it's interesting, Mark, that you have this insight that you would be a different person without your caregiving experience. And I'm yeah. curious, how, what would be different about you? I, you know, it, 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 I don't think I would have been as focused on a purpose. I think I would have just went through the steps. And what I mean by that is, is we look at other people in society, and there's a lot of people that just kind of do the steps, right? They kind of do their thing. Um, you know, I want, you know, to hit, I want to make, I want to have these career goals, and, and I want to have my family and the 2.5 kids and, and the dog. Um, and I don't think I would have probably took that kind of path. I think mine would have been more, you know, just kind of always tinkering with something, doing stuff, but with, with, with Lucas and, and kind of having that. Um, I think there was this, a general purpose that I had this additional responsibility that I needed to really put forward and everything kind of had to be filled around that. And, and that can be as good as it is toxic at times, depending on, on what you're doing and how you do it. Um, but for me, it was like, I didn't have to worry about that. I just needed to make sure that we had this baseline. I needed to make sure that Lucas uh, Lucas's happiness factor was was kind of here in this in this region, right? And everything that I've done has been really to kind of create that environment, um, and not only for him but for all of us. And it's not always perfect, you know. It's no utopia by any means, but um, I think uh, with the focus, I was in a, in a favorable position that a lot of people don't have. Um, and it, it's taken a lot of work and a lot of effort, but it's kind of this being able not only just financially and, and physically, but there's this emotional state of, of really what's going on and, and just a, a behavioral and, and, and trying to just, we're not perfect at dealing with every emergency situation or every um, hurdle that's in our way, but we certainly are, are, are much better and we continue to grow with each and every one. And I think that's hmm. been good because there's just a lot of a lot of times that people just don't feel you know they just feel like they're up against the wall. 
um, mm-hmm. we've been able to not feel like that consistently, that we've been able to move forward and go, okay, we're here now. Here's, here's what we got to do. And, and so, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's no walk through the park all the time, but I think we've done overall from, from a whole perspective pretty well. How about for you, Margaret? How do you think caregiving has informed who you are today? Um, well, as you said, it's been something that I've done professionally, um, being a critical care nurse and a nurse anesthetist. So it kind of was an everyday thing professionally before it became a personal uh, everyday life. So it it kind of transitioned from that profession into the personal because everyone in my family, especially being the youngest of the family, um, it naturally fell to me to care be a caregiver for both of my parents as they aged into their 90s. My dad lived to be 90, and at that time I uh, was living with them in their home with my two small children as I was going through nursing school. And, um, and then so everyone just kind of assumed I was going to take that role because of my education. So I guess it's just become a part of who I am all the way around because then it turns into other family members and friends and neighbors, you know, turning to you as the answer lady. <laughs> so it's really become <laughs> my calling. And that's, and that's, again, why I wrote the book. It's kind of just become my overall uh, mission in life, I guess. So how do you set boundaries so that you are okay and not being available to everyone 24-7? Well, that's something you should be talking to my husband about because he's constantly saying, does anybody have anybody else they can call? You know, oh, it, wow. it does sometimes get um, – it, it sometimes does get to be a burden when – it just becomes the easy thing for people to assume I'm going to do it, um, even when it's not something that requires medical knowledge. You know, it might, it just, there was, I think in it, and there are resentments that build in a family, in any family, that's a common thing when you talk to caregivers, that they're always wondering, you know, why can't so-and-so do more? And and that's, again, something that I, I used as part of my book was to talk about if you have out-of-town, you know, siblings, that doesn't they, – they're great to do. They can do Internet research for you if you're looking for, um, you know, a rehab facility after a broken hip or, you know, it's kind of – it's just too easy for people to sit back and say, oh, you're doing a great job. I never could do what you're doing. <laughs> So I'll just let you keep doing it. (laughs) Exactly. And the thing about the saint is I have a brother who constantly would send me these emails saying, oh, you're just a saint, and it just made me grind my teeth. Even though, I mean, I think people do mean the best. You know, as Mark is saying, if people haven't done it, then they really don't understand how you're going to be receiving these comments, and they're saying it out of the best intention. But, um yeah, it's. I think that's one of the biggest difficulties with someone who's caring for a parent 
is if there are siblings who are not being supportive in a more meaningful way other than saying, you know, you're so great. We have just about five minutes left. So I've been debating what my last question is to you guys. And I think I'm going to leave it with this one. I'm going to try to make it easy so it's, it's, it feels like a simple answer. And I hope that's what it's going to be. So if you could, <laughs> if you could resolve a problem that's common in a caregiving experience, what problem would you love to be able to say, I figured out a solution, this is not going to be a problem any longer? Mm-hmm. Mark, let's start with you. What do you think? You know, I think kind of coming back to Margaret's point, it's, it's uh, um, teamwork, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. people kind of yeah. uh, outside the peripheral. I think the one thing that we don't have is a good central nucleus of a team. I and mean, we have doctors, we have us. Um, and then we get a little bit of, of extra help, you know, from, from some other providers to, to at least get a little bit of relief. But there's not really this core communicating body of a team centralized around that care, whether that be siblings, friends, whomever. Um, you know, you, you're kind of not well, you're kind of the hub of everything, especially if you're the primary caregiver. You're kind of the the person who has not only to do every all those the tasks, all the carry tasks, but um, you're also the person doing facilitating the communication. I think that's really rough. Um, so if I could fix one thing, I think it would be to get better collaboration, communication, some type of of mechanism or being to to be able to facilitate that much easier. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Just It feels like it's just a, a release of some of the pressure. I think there's always going to be some stress, some pressure, but a, a release of part of it can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Margaret, what about for you? Well, I'm looking forward to Mark coming up with that solution, so <laughs> <laughs> keep us in the loop. <laughs> That would be really great. Mapped out. <laughs> but I, I think for me it would be to uh, have a solution for the regret that people can feel. And I think that to me regret is just one of the saddest emotions um, because it, people carry it with them long after the caregiving experience is done. And uh, so if people could – Maybe maybe it's involved with giving yourself a little bit of a break, too, you know, even if it's just mentally to say, I'm doing the best I can. It's not going to be perfect. And uh, some way to alleviate that sense of regret or remorse that you didn't do the best you could or you should have done more. Yeah, absolutely. I often tell people that I'm in the business of helping to prevent regrets. Yes. Because I think if we can give peace of mind, we really give a great gift. Oh, yeah. Mark and Margaret, it was wonderful to spend this time with you. I'd love for our listeners to be in touch with you, not only at the conference, but just going forward. Mark, what's your website address for those who'd like to reach out to you? 
Right now it's uh, marksurvey.com. It's uh, a little dated as I'm doing. You know, I'm kind of like the plumber as a technologist a little bit. My internal plumbing at home is never really done. I got leaky faucets everywhere. So my website's pretty good. But that, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me uh, at this point um, as I redo these things for the umpteenth million time, it seems like. Um, but certainly at the conference, um, during my presentation, I'll have a whole back-end slide for people um, to contact me, uh, various channels, so that way we can continue the conversation um, uh, after that session as well. So, uh, But right now, I would say that's probably the focal point right there. And Margaret, how can our listeners find out more about your book and your work? Uh, the website is gettingthebestcare.com, and my email is margaret. M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T, at gettingthebestcare.com. And I want to mention that our conference app also has handouts from our presenters and opportunities to connect with them. So if you're going to join us in Chicago or virtually, you'll want to download the conference app because you'll be able to connect to Mark and Margaret through the conference app as well. Okay, Mark and Margaret, I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for being with me today. All right. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we do truly love to know. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.